Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 120. My guest is Kirk Hens of Bam Weather. And I wanted to get Kirk on here, talk a little bit about what's going on with the weather and what he sees happening. Here we are uh, going into February, so the deep uh, southern parts of the United States. Planting season is getting to be a, uh, a more important thing on people's radar because it's that time for them. So, Kurt, how you been and what's been going on, buddy? Yeah, man, I've been doing good, staying busy. It's been a it's been a wild winter of ups and downs. We had a very warm start to the winter, and now we're gonna have a very cold end to the winter, and, and probably a one that lasts a little bit longer than normal too. Yeah. So that's that's what you good point you brought up there. So this is the year where you've had some extreme droughts in places like uh, Russia, Ukraine, Australia. Australia seems to have a drought here in the last five years that they've really been kind of pounding on you've had some extreme drought in south america and argentina and even some of the parts of the uh corn and soybean belt there in brazil so um but the weird thing about those is that they've all bounced out of that except for the exception of, of russia ukraine and australia that they've they've kind of bounced out of those with some extreme um moisture events that have come along so talk to me a little bit about what you see happening here in the next 30 60 90 days um, as, as winter comes to, uh, kind of at that midway point through winter now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think especially for the Eastern half of the country, when I say Eastern half, I I mean, like I would say Nebraska East and that kind of area, it's, it's probably going to be some of our coldest air of the season. We go into February and, and probably open up March. I think it is a very cold month overall and which is pretty typical with El Nino's is usually we have a late start to winter and then we have a really cold end. Um, I know uh, Casey and I talked about here before the, the call about, you know, the, the low solar or the low sunspots or um, just very low solar activity. Um, there's a lot of research and we've actually factored that in our, our winter forecast that um, not only suggests that winters can last longer, but they can be more intense. And uh, you're going to see that next week. You're going to see the polar vortex come down. I mean, there is a legit chance that parts of the upper Midwest and part of the, the central plains here, even us here in the Ohio Valley will get uh, temperatures minus 20 or below, air temperatures, you know, wind chills at minus 40 or below. So that's just not typical in in, in, nor- in a normal winter. You'd be lucky to have that, you know, maybe in once in a generation. So to have it two years in a row, both years low solar, um, it, it's certainly not a coincidence. So I, I think that activity can probably continue. I mean, it, it can continue for the next couple, couple of seasons too. So probably going into March, uh, I, I think March is overall not really a warm month. I don't think it's necessarily a frigid month. I think for the Eastern parts of the U S it's a little bit colder than say it is for like the central or, or Western plains. Um, and then probably as we go into April, I think April is a month that, you know, as we continue through this El Nino, it could be a little bit warmer. So uh, I know last year we went from a, a, one of the coldest Aprils on record to, you know, the warmest May on record. I think we could have more of a season, more of a spring this year, which is a little bit more common with El Nino's too. So 
but I think over the next month and a half, two months, it's, it's overall pretty chilly across the, much of the central U.S. Okay, so as we head into March and we start looking at a lot of you know, coldness that's going to be lingering around, especially in the northern part of the Corn Belt, like we saw last year in uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, northern Iowa, northern Indiana, in that area, um, northern Illinois, Michigan, all those areas where there was just some extreme weather, uh, extreme cold that just kind of hung around, didn't go anywhere. Um, similar event this year, do you feel like it's going to be something along the same lines? That would be the area. That would be the same area um, on average where I would say if there's an area in the in the Corn Belt or in the Green Belt that would stay colder longer, that would be it. The, the upper Midwest into the, the Great Lakes, Ohio Valley region, I think just the way the orientation of where the cold comes in and where the snowpack would be the highest, I feel like that, that would be the area where it could linger a little longer. Okay. Okay. So now we're, we're in El Nino moving into La Nino area and, and all the things that come along with that. Um, I've, I've looked at and, and, talk, and talked to some different people, seen some different weather models that, that are saying that maybe this year could be a, this year, maybe next year, something like that, that this summer could be a bit drier in, in key growing areas than we've seen in the past. Is that, do you feel like something like that would shape up this summer into, into something like that? I would say maybe not so much this summer. Um, and the reason I say that is because a lot of times your winter El Ninos can, the effects of those, even if they weaken into spring, they can last into the growing season. And, and especially growing season, I mean like May, June, and July. So typically in El Ninos, the, the lasting effect is just a little bit cooler summers and you're going in with more moisture. So that's the biggest difference between last year's. We were going into a La Nina. So the fall and the winter in the central plains was so dry. And then we, you know, we, we got very warm easily in the spring and, and summer. So this year we're, it's going to be harder to warm up. We have essentially everywhere across the grain belt has moisture. So, uh, which is a good thing. I think we would all like to go in with moisture. Um, I think that'll at least allow temperatures to stay more moderated than last year too. But I would be looking for maybe the, the following summer for uh, those risks to possibly emerge too. But I think this coming summer, I, th I think the growing conditions are going to be a little bit more favorable for us. Okay. All right. So now let's transition down to what we see happening in uh, South America. So we are in South America right now, they are full fledged harvest right now. They're, they're, uh, Cutting beans, cutting corn, all that fun stuff. So um, they had targeted a pretty record crop down there. And along with that, they had some dryness that came through, um, especially southern parts of Brazil. So um, what are you seeing there now? And, and how is that, that weather pattern down there shaping up? Yeah, so for the next two weeks, especially central, south central Brazil, very dry. I mean, we're, we're going to be working in temperatures a lot of times that are in the mid-90s, if not higher. Um, they're getting maybe you know, 25%, 50% the normal rainfall here or so. And that's been happening for the past about month and a half. So that is definitely compounded on the conditions down there. And, and uh, the crops have at least felt a little bit more of a stress because of that. Um, I am watching as we get into maybe middle parts of February that those same areas could start to receive moisture. Um, but then we have to ask, you know, is that how's the timing with that? Is that going to be enough for that new, you know, safrina corn crop that's going in for Brazil? Um, overall, I, I would say my concern is still elevated that some of those drier risks can remain throughout the rest of the season. Um, on the flip side, if you look at Argentina, it's been the exact opposite of last year. They had a record drought down there and now they're like record rainfall. 
So that's just a result of Leiden and going into El Nino. But it sure seems like the seasons have been more bipolar than I would say in, in some of the years I've looked at past. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's very normal to go from a record drought to go from record rainfall in, in two years. So it's been a it's been a crazy pattern for Argentina. So both both countries have had uh, similar risks just on the opposite spectrum this season. Right. Okay, so what about in Europe? Europe had a horrible drought last year. Their their grain supply or their wheat supply was off ten to ten to twenty percent, depending on what what you bred and where they were at and those kind of things. What's happening in Europe? Ukraine, Russia, in that area. I mean, do you, do you see a similar weather pattern developing this year that you saw last year, or, or do you see some some big swing in that in that uh, pattern as well? Yeah, I mean, in some areas over there, so a lot of times when you're you're cold in the U.S., you have a, a risk of staying warmer there in, in Europe. And we've seen that a lot over this this past winter, too. Um, and, and Europe is not necessarily an area that I'm, I'm super well versed in there. But um, just going in like a general El Nino, just similar for the, the United States, I would say there's more ability to or opportunity to get moisture in a little bit cooler conditions. But if we do go into, um, if we weaken this El Nino into the spring and, and into the summer, I would say those risks return for you know being drier and, and and seeing those warmer temperatures. So there's an area in the globe you know that I would watch. I, I think Europe, since we were so dry last year and, and going this winter, that that would be a, a concern I would have for them. Again. Okay. Yeah. So we, we could see some, it's good for the wheat crop. I mean, right. Yeah. Especially yeah. with what we saw happen in the fall where a lot of the wheat crop, not a lot, but a good portion of the wheat crop didn't get planted um, just right. because of weather events, you know, rain mm-hmm. went from yeah. having pretty drought stricken areas to they were out trying to plant yeah. wheat boats, man. So it was yeah. <laughs> a big swing. Just a right. flip of the switch. Absolutely. So now you look across all the stuff going on. What are some of your big concerns moving into the spring and summer of uh, 2019? Yeah, I, I would say I, my concerns for going into this year are a little bit less than normal, say definitely less than last year, which again, El Nino, you know, usually your risks are lesser. Um, kind of opposite of last year, I would be concerned that, and oftentimes in El Nino's, we can be having too much moisture. So it could be having some issues getting the, the crop into the ground in some areas. Again, just depends on how the next couple of months go in terms of our moisture supply. But, I mean, we've had moisture all, all winter. It would be tough to just kind of shut that off into, into spring. So my concern for us here, I would say locally in the U.S., would just be dealing with maybe too much moisture as we kind of go into the spring season. And maybe and maybe that winter hanging around a little bit longer into to March than, say, what, what normal would be. So that I would say that those are probably my, my bigger concerns going ahead. So you think there could be some weather markets that are going to pop up? Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be opportunity as there is in, in every year. Um, I think in La Nina years, there may be more opportunity than El Nino years. But again, just on the flip side of the spectrum, you can you can get just as much um, opportunity in an El Nino year if, uh, you know, we stay colder longer, if those rains really do shut on or, or just kind of turn on and just don't turn off. So, and, and that's possible in some areas too. So I definitely I definitely think there'll be opportunity this year. Okay, so now let's talk about summer weather and patterns. I mean, I'm not a meteorologist here, so I'm, I'm making some assumptions, but I'm assuming that with the cooler air that we're going to see kind of linger around longer, that there's going to be less hurricane pressure moving into uh, into the summer months. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, it, it's tough to say really at this distance. I mean, last year, um, I think a lot of the 
lot of my, like myself, a lot of the, our profession, um, you know, where we were kind of thinking it may be a little bit of a below normal and then we just kind of got them all at once. Right. So, um, it, it could be something where we have a, a later start to the season in terms of hurricanes. Um, I have a hard time believing just with how it's been recently that we're just going to completely shut it off. Um, I, I do think also that we're talking a little bit about severe weather. I, I definitely, I mean, last year was like a record low severe weather season. I definitely think the way that we're trending ahead, especially as we go probably into to into March, into April, maybe even into May, that we're going to see a pretty decent severe weather season this year too. So um, maybe a late start to hurricane season, um, just my best guess out there, but I, I feel pretty good about severe weather this year. Is the severe threat that you're worried about, is that primarily having to do with, you know, the, the cold air lingering longer and, and, the, and the more masses coming from the Gulf that are going to really be uh, – such a big swing in temperature and it's going to drive that, that storm, those storm patterns. Yeah, I, I would say that's a, a pretty good assessment. I, I think it's coming from probably a cool March and then heating up into April, just a, a big clash of air masses. You're going to have a, a good source of a moisture, a good active jet stream. Just uh, last year, we our jet stream orientation was not favorable at all for severe weather. And this year it, it is shaping up pretty good. I mean, we've, we've seen a lot of moisture in the central plains and, and you need, you need moisture to create storms. So Definitely, that's that's the, we're seeing those signs already. So the the jet stream is is showing some pretty strong signs of, of staying further south than it's been um, over the last couple of years. Um, you, you anticipate more of this kind of polar vortex, Arctic blasts of cold air. I mean, more kind of over the next three months to be more than just what we're seeing now, or do you, is this kind of going to be? Kinda yeah. Good? So. Oftentimes when you split the polar vortex, you feel the effects the rest of the winter, uh, just like you, just overall, like we did last winter in, in a lot of ways. And same thing with 2014 into the rest of the winter. Um, it just kind of increases all your higher pressure in the, in the Arctic and that, that cold air has nowhere to go. So that's essentially February and March in a nutshell is we're just going to be forcing down a lot of cold air pretty consistently. I don't think there's really going to be a whole lot of warm stretches over the next month and a half or so. So I think it's going to be pretty consistently cold and that is definitely due to the polar vortex. Okay. Well, plenty of stuff to pay attention to and watch out for. So Kirk, if guys want to reach out to BAM weather and and get a feel for what y'all do and the services that you provide, how would they do that? Yeah. Yeah. Just head on over to our website. It's bamwx.com slash contact us. And, you know, we, we kind of dabble in every kind of sector in terms of what weather you know, effects. So we, we would love to help anybody and everybody out and kind of get a product that fits your needs. So uh, we would love to work with anybody. Right on. If you want to see what that looks like, check out 21stCenturyEquip.net and that we have a weather section there. And, and Kirk uh, is every morning up there giving his, his little two cents on what's going to happen in our AOR. So absolutely good stuff there, Kirk. And uh, thanks for being on. And we'll, we'll catch you next time. I appreciate it, Casey, as always, man. Have a good weekend. You too. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at MovingIronPodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Here you can find Morning Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. You'll be able to hear Dryline Farmer Podcast, Girls Talk Ag, The Topsoil Podcast, Ag News Daily, Working Cows, Heifer Please, Throwback Iron, and Ask Agnes. Please visit movingironllc.com. 
Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century.